0: Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jenssen, the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your REF Tools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Sanderson and I work for Danfoss Cooling. Thank you for listening in on this podcast, which is chapter 11 in a series about evaporative cooling. In this podcast, I'll talk about indirect cooling. Until now, we've talked about the direct evaporative cooling process that happens in the evaporator and around the evaporation. But it happens that you, for some reason, need to transport the energy still in the form of heat to somewhere else to deliver either the heat or the coldness. There could be many reasons for that. Distance is a good bet. But also different hazards like toxicity, flammability, or maybe just plain inconvenience. Anyways, let's have a look at a very simple example. We're using isobutane slash R600A as a refrigerant which is in the A3 safety group that means that it's highly flammable so we don't want that inside our convenience store not even in reinforced steel pipes ventilated display cases etc etc so the cooling unit itself the condensing unit which is an integrated unit where we have a compressor a condenser and in this case also an evaporator integrated is seated outside at the rear end of the storm. We're actually talking about a small chiller unit. The evaporator, which is also integrated in the unit, is of a slightly different type than what we have been talking about until now. So, it's a so-called plate heat exchanger and very simply explained, it's basically three plates where the middle plate keeps two fluids or substances apart from each other. On the one side of the middle plate you have the usual refrigerant passing and evaporating like we've been explained before, so nothing new there except that it happens between plates instead of inside a tube. On the other side of the middle plate another substance is flowing. In this example it's glycol flowing in the opposite direction of the refrigerant on the other side of the middle plate. It could also have been brine, you know, salt water. But in this case, we use the less aggressive glycol. So the evaporator is cooling down the glycol via the middle plates and draws out the latent energy of the glycol now in reality the plate heat exchanger is constructed with several plates how many and how big the plates are depends on the required capacity just like an evaporator in a cold room have several parallel pipings also depending on the capacity anyways the idea is that you cool the glycol which is then pumped to the place where you need the coolness which could be the display case for a dairy product in the convenience store. That is the general idea of indirect cooling. But of course, there's quite a bit more to that than just a simple picture I just drew up. But if we just keep the principle in mind that you cool down the secondary brine or glycol, which you then pump to where you need the cooling, well, then we're quite well off for a good start. Let's have a quick closer look at the secondary fluid, the coolant. In, in principle, there are two main groups of coolants. The glycol based and the chloride based. As for glycol, the most commons are ethylene glycol and propylene glycol. For the chloride or salt based coolants, we have the sodium chloride, you know, rock salt or table salt and then we have calcium chloride both the chloride and glycol types ability to work at low temperatures depend on the concentration of the solution in water very short the more salt or glycol the lower the solution can go in temperature a quick example is that a concentration of calcium chloride of 30 percent has a freezing point of approximately Minus 50 degrees Celsius, or minus 65 degree Fahrenheit, and ethylene glycol at a concentration of 55 freezes at approximately minus 40 degrees Celsius, which is the same as 40, minus 40 degree Fahrenheit. So you can work also in the freezing range with both types of coolants. Let me just briefly. Return to the heat exchanger I described before, you know, the plates and stuff. That's just one of a couple of different types of heat exchangers with liquid coolant on the secondary side. Another quite common type is the shell and tube, which is basically just a big barrel that the coolant flows through. And inside the barrel, there is a grid or bundle of thinner tubings, inside which the evaporation of the refrigerant takes place and thereby cools down the coolant. The function is more or less the same, that you have the primary circuit with the refrigerant and the secondary circuit with the coolant exchanging energy in the form of heat while passing through the vessel. The coolant being cooled and the refrigerant being evaporated. It's the same principle as with water-cooled condenser, where you cool down the vaporized refrigerant to get it condensed. So in some systems you have liquid charged heat exchangers in both ends, so to speak. Having both the evaporator and the condenser exchanging heat via coolants or just plain water. That would be the case with a water-cooled chiller or ground source heat pump talking about chillers, the chilled coolant can be used for many different purposes, not just for display cases or cold rooms, but also and maybe even especially when we're talking AC systems in larger buildings like office buildings, hospitals, etc. etc. or other different processes that needs cooling. It could be for industrial, chemical or even medical purposes. Or my favourite example would be a brewery having an ammonia cooling plant with brine as a secondary coolant. If we're looking at the air conditioning systems in buildings, the coolant is pumped out into a larger, larger system, branching off into smaller fin and tube air heat exchangers, so-called fan coils. You will see them look pretty much like a small evaporator. There's just not evaporation taking place inside. But the idea is basically the same. To cool the passing air down to a level which makes the room temperature comfortable. That's it. Or, and this is where it starts to get interesting, it could be that during winter the flow of coolant is reversed, so that the fan coil is actually using the hot condenser to heat the room. In a way, it will work like a reverse cooling system. Maybe you remember from one of the first chapters that cooling milk in a fridge is actually adding heat to your kitchen. And that is actually the mechanism being utilized in the heat pump. There's a couple of great videos on YouTube and you can find the link of one of them below in, in the below episode description. There you can see how the two or actually three circuits works together. The ground source circuit, the refrigerant circuit and the heating circuit for the refrigerators. Floor heating or fan coils. I guess it goes without saying that in this type of system the heat exchanger is one of the more important components. I'll talk a bit more about heat pumps in later episodes so for now let's just briefly turn back to the indirect heat transfer mechanisms and recapture what you need to be aware of when dealing with indirect cooling you need to know a bit about the coolant itself if it is the right type and if there are any risks in working with that particular type of coolant I mean, it would not be a great idea to use copper tubings with salt brine, for instance, because of the corrosion, of course. Or certain types of PVC tubings will get stiff, crispy and brittle over time. So you need to know a little about the nature of the coolant that you're using, not to mention the thermodynamic properties as well. Also, of course, the viscosity and mass of the brine or coolant will need to be addressed once you start working with coolants. So, you get the right control of the secondary circuit pump circulation. But once you get the hang of it, you're only a few steps away from getting your cooling system just a bit more environmentally friendly for many reasons. But mostly because you can reduce the amount of refrigerant and use brine or glycol as heat or coolness conveyor. We would greatly appreciate feedbacks and suggestions to future refrigeration topics. If you have specific questions to this episode, please leave a comment on the Chilling with the N SoundCloud page. I look forward to hearing from you. We would also appreciate if you would click like share and repost to help us spread the word about chilling with the ants and evaporating uh, ev- and evaporative refrigeration thank you so much we'll see you soon for the next episode until then stay cool this podcast was brought to you by Dunfor cooling please feel welcome to visit us at danfoss.com and maybe sign up for some of our cool uh, e-learning classes